I began a series a few weeks ago called Fight Training, and this will be round three. If you have a Bible, go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Can you hear me out there fine? 1 Timothy, I don't hear myself very well, so. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and uh, let's get into this. Verse 12 is our foundational text for fight training. Paul writes here, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Everybody say fight, fight. lay hold, lay hold. Confess. confess. See, these are all assertive behaviors. They're active on our part, and, uh, and we are supposed to, we're called to Fight the good fight of faith. Why, why would we do that? Why would we uh, be told to fight? Well, it's because there is a real adversary. All right. There is a devil that, has, that Jesus said about him. He's come to steal, to, to kill, and to destroy. So we have an option. We can either be stolen from, destroyed, killed, or we can stand up and say no. We can stand up. And use the, the weapons that the Lord gave us and fight back, okay? Uh, if we don't have this fighting disposition, we will not overcome the trials that we face in life. So today I want to focus in, in particular on uh, the type of fight we're going to fight. We're not fight, fighting with swords, not fighting with boxing gloves, we're not fighting with guns, we're fighting with faith. That's the type of fight we're in. And there are some people who know how to put up other types of fights. Fist fights, you know, legal fights. But they don't know how to fight a faith fight. And there's only, there are certain battles in life that will only be won by faith. Okay? And uh, when we talk about faith, there, are, there is an understanding that some have, which is a limited understanding. It's incomplete. And they think of faith, and that just means trust in God. That means I have conviction about him. And there's a whole nother side of the faith fight that is absent from their understanding. And therefore, when they get in the ring, they don't know what to do. Because in their, in their mentality, they, they don't, they're not supposed to do anything but sit back and accept and just kind of trust God that he's going to work it out. In other words, they believe God will do all their fighting for them. When in reality, scripture reveals to us that the faith fight is, is our fight. We must engage in this. We can't say, Lord, you take this one. I'm tagging you in <laughs> and me out. No, he said, I've tagged you in because this is how this life works. And so I want you to turn to another passage uh, with me. It's the book of Mark and chapter 11. The book of Mark, which is your favorite book, right? Chapter 11. And so let's talk about the, the, the weapon we use here. It's called faith. It's a faith fight. And in particular, it is the kind of faith we're supposed to use is the God kind. It's not of earthly origin. It's not human faith. It's literally God level, God quality, or we, as we say, the God kind of faith. Here's what Jesus said in verse 22, Mark eleven twenty-two. 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith 
in God. Now, now that statement, by just exactly the way it's written there, is a good statement. I believe in it. It is a, it is a truth. It, for us to describe this or tell or recommend to anyone, have faith in God, there is zero wrong with that. You understand what I'm saying? Nothing off with that statement at all. However, when you read the context of this statement, which we will in a moment, and you look at other translations of the same statement, you'll find that uh, have faith in God is not the best way to say that. All right? Uh, I mean, no, the Bible wasn't written in English or any other language that you probably know unless you, you know, originally written in Greek. And even in the day that they were doing this, they spoke, there was... Hebrew speakers and Greek speakers and Aramaic speakers. And, and, and so we have it in English and we can benefit from multiple translations. You don't have to be a language expert to do this. Okay. But let me read this to you in two other translations. One's a really old one called the Young's Literal Translation. It's a good translation for accuracy, but not for readability. It's, a, it's clunky when you read it, but you can see because it's word for word. Okay, and it reads this way. And Jesus answering saith to them. So saith tells you about when it was translated because we don't say saith. Okay, have faith of God. Have faith of God. You can see why a lot of translators wouldn't write that because they thought that doesn't sound right. That doesn't make sense. Have faith of God. But literally, that's what the, the, the text says. Have faith of God. Of God as opposed to in God. Another modern translation, very recent, the Passion Translation is, is written this way. Jesus replied, let the faith of God be in you. Instead of, instead of have faith in God, let the faith of God be in you. See, it gives a little bit of a, a different take and different understanding of what he's talking about. Jesus is telling them what kind of faith to use. What kind? The God kind. Okay? The God kind of faith is what we're supposed to use. It is the faith of God himself working in us and working through us. I don't know if that, you know, stirs you up at all, but that makes me think, well, this is going to work. If you you ever felt, felt like my faith is insufficient, well, okay, fine. Use God's then. Amen. His faith is totally sufficient. It is up to the task. And it is not a wavering type of faith. So we are instructed basically to act like God. And that's what the word tells us in other places. Ephesians chapter 5 says, be imitators of God as dear children. If someone ever says to you, oh, you're just trying to act like God. Say, well, thank you very much. That's exactly right. I am doing my best. And that's a real compliment. It is. If you're ever accused of acting like God, you ought to say, thank you, Lord, I did it. Because that's our goal is to be like and act like, think like, speak like, behave like our Father in heaven. In many ways, but this is one of them. God is a faith God. We are faith children of a faith God. So we should seek to act just like him. Now, to, to illustrate this further, we want to read the context in, in, involved in when Jesus made this statement, have God's faith or have the God kind of faith. So back up to verse 12. 
Mark 11 and verse 12. Now the next day, when they had come out of Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing afar, from afar, a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. And so it's an interesting story there. Uh, you might wonder, why did Jesus expect to get figs from a tree out of season? If it's not the season for figs, why are you even going over there? Right? Well, the answer is found right in the text there where it, where it says that, that, that the fig tree had leaves. So he was not ignorant of you know, fig tree stuff in his day, just like we're familiar with plant life in our area. And they knew this, that if a fig tree had leaves, it also had figs, even if it was out of season. The leaves were shouting out, I have figs, I have figs. So Jesus being hungry, see, did, why did Jesus get hungry? Because he was functioning as a man, not as God. Jesus got hungry just like you get hungry. If you're hungry now, forget about it. <laughs> hold it, hold it. But he was hungry and said, hey, look, there's a fig tree. And it's, it, it's talking to us. He sees the leaves. They're saying, I have figs. I have figs. I have figs. He said, look, let's go over there and eat. It's lunchtime. And they get up there close to the fig tree and nothing. I mean, no, that's a disappointment. Yeah. So Jesus eliminates the tree. You, you might think he must have been really hungry to take it out on the tree like that. But, but, but think about the principle behind it. Um, the fig tree saying, I have, I have figs. I have figs. It is a lying fig tree. That fig tree is a hypocrite. <laughs> Hypocritical trees don't deserve to live. They should be removed. They're wasting the ground. True. In a, I, mean, I mean, we would probably do that in our own backyards. If you've got a fruit tree of some kind and, you know, year after year it's not doing its thing, what do you do? It's like you might try to save it, but then you get rid of it. Jesus told another story uh, over in Luke 13 of a particular, you know, farmer, in essence, who had a tree and it wasn't producing fruit for three years. And he said, take that thing out. And the guy said, let me try to save it. Let me fertilize around it and we'll give it one more year. And, and if not, then we'll get rid of it. See, there's a principle in there about, about fruitless things. Everybody okay? Maybe there's a metaphorical lesson for us in this. That if we were created for a certain purpose, and yet we're not fulfilling that purpose, we might have to move out of the way and let someone else take our place. Yeah. So don't be a fruitless person. God has a reason, a purpose for your life. He wants to use you. Do your best to be who you were called to be, who God created you to be. And then serve your purpose. Live a fruitful life. Or, you know, God's work is eventually going to get done. His work will be completed. The question is, am I going to be a part of it? The question is, are you going to be a part of it? Now, he'll give you multiple opportunities. Multiple years. Fertilize you. <laughs> Try to bring the best out of you. But eventually, if you keep saying no, he's going he's to get someone else to replace you. Hallelujah. 
That's just a side message. That was just special for Mother's Day. <laughs> but this is what Jesus did. Let's continue on. Jump down to verse 20. It reads, Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Okay, so, so what we see here, when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, from all apparent observation, nothing changed. Right? He spoke, and they went on. Peter didn't say, look, it's dead. No, look, it looks the same. It was the next day where he said, oh, look, that thing is withered away. What does that mean? When Jesus used God's faith, the God kind of faith, and spoke to the fig tree, something immediately happened. It wasn't apparent to the eye that it immediately happened, but it absolutely did. Okay, sometimes we miss it when we give our statement of faith and we don't see any change. We think, ah, didn't work. And our lack of sticking with it undermines the word we spoke. Okay, let's say this together. Say, say it with me. Say, when I speak, when I speak words, of faith, words of faith, things change, things change. Immediately. immediately, every time. Yeah. Does that mean you're always going to see it immediately? No, but it always starts. It always begins in that moment. And so uh, here's the thing. They saw this withered away, and this is the context. Right after that happened, they, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, have faith in God or have faith of God. He did this. He gave the illustration first, and he says, now have the faith of God. He taught them faith by killing an unproductive tree. Yeah. He taught them, we could say it another way, how to use the faith of God um, but to change things in the physical world. Right? Anybody interested in learning this? Because this really is the fight of faith. I want you to notice what he didn't do. Jesus didn't pray about the tree. There is no recording of him asking the father, saying, Father, I'm hungry. You see what this tree just did to me? It's a lying tree. I'm asking you to remove it from your planet. No, there's no conversation this way. It is just from Jesus to the tree. He's not praying. And this shows us sometimes problems in our life do not need to be prayed about they need to be spoken to using the God kind of faith. Okay. This is where the average Christian today often does not know how to fight. And they'll read that, fight the good fight of faith. They'll think, yeah. But then they don't know how this kind of faith works. And it all is, oh, God, help. Oh, Lord, intervene. Oh, Lord, grant. There's a time and a place for those requests but there also is a time where we're using what he gave us and we're going to fight using his kind of faith. It's kind of like the, what Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit. You read in the book of John, especially chapter 14, 15, 16. Uh, Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit. And what he, what he commonly referred to him there as is our helper. The Holy Spirit is the helper. How many know there's a difference between helper and doer? Yeah. 
The, the common, again, mentality is, is that God does it for us. He fights. He does the work. And it's, it's not consistent with what Jesus taught. If he's the helper, that means he's helping me. He's helping you. Helping us do what? Well, you could say do whatever we're doing. In other words, if I'm doing nothing, he's going to help me. And what's going to happen? Nothing. Yeah. If I'm saying, this is all you, Lord, the Holy Spirit's going to sit back with me and say, how's it going? But, but if I recognize God has something for me to do, he wants to use my mouth, he wants to use my hands, wants to use my actions, then the Holy Spirit will help me do something. Amen. Hallelujah. So doing nothing is not what we're called to do. It's not, it's all God and no us. Nope, it doesn't work that way. It is us with his empowerment, with his wisdom, with his help, with him enforcing the very things that we say. So then we go to verse 23. And this is where Jesus begins to explain this. He said, for for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. So notice the language of faith is explained by what we say, not by what God says. Jesus again did not reference. If God says to the mountain, if God says be removed, then it'll happen. No, he said, if you will say to the mountain, if you will believe the things that you say will happen, you'll have whatever you say. And so we sometimes want to eliminate our role in this equation and say, it's all the Lord, it's all God. But in reality, God said, no, it's about you. If you say, well, I believe that we're just supposed to believe God's words. Good. One of God's words is that you should believe your words. Okay, you see some of the reason for this explanation is because when Jesus spoke to the tree, his disciples were watching. They're around there and they see Jesus is hungry. Then he kills the fig tree. The next day it's dried up. And he's there. He's their model. He's their example. The disciples are there. Peter's one of them. He's there. Right. You know, if you know anything about Peter, he's totally trying this the next day. Right? He was quick. He, he was quick to get out of the boat to walk on water. Right? P- Peter is the one who was quick to prophesy and say, you are the Christ. But sometimes he'd miss it. He also told Jesus he wasn't going to the cross and come to find out it was Satan speaking through him. He's also the one that denied the Lord at the trial. But then he repented and got right and became a pillar in the church. But Peter was quick to step out on things. And knowing his uh, his um, approach, you got to know, Peter was about to take out the rest of the trees. <laughs> don't, don't you think he was going to do this? And so, and so Jesus, I mean, maybe he was setting this all up to begin with, but I got to think at least he's looking around and saying, oh, okay, I better explain how this works. I'm going to explain, and this is a great teaching opportunity to say, this is how faith of God will work in your life. It's not about just randomly throwing out statements, but it's about being very precise and believing what you say. Okay. Uh, Jesus believed that there was no other option when he spoke to this tree that it's toast. 
This thing is going to dry up. This thing's over. He didn't wonder about it. He didn't walk away thinking, hope this worked. <laughs> Checking back, eh, still there. I said, no one eat fruit from you ever again. No, he was assured in his very own words that if he spoke, that what he said would take place. He even, he even amplified it so much that when he illustrated, he didn't say, uh, whoever says unto the fig tree, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. He said, whoever says to this mountain, he's like, he upped the ante here. You see what worked on that little tree? It'll work on a mountain. Whoa, this is big stuff. Now, I don't have any record of Jesus moving mountains, literal physical mountains into the sea. We don't, if he ever did that, we don't have it written, right? And it probably wasn't in his intent that we go around re-landscaping the earth. <laughs> but he did use that illustration, and he's not lying. He's saying the God kind of faith will do that. And it says to me that I can believe and it'll change small things in my life. It'll change big things in my life. I can use God's faith in me and we can alter circumstances. We can change the physical reality of things on the earth. But here's how he did it. He said, you have to say the right thing and believe that what you say is going to happen. In other words, faith fighters are faith talkers. If, you, if you're a faith fighter, you have words of faith. You believe the things that come out of your mouth are going to happen. Now, th this, is, this is really big because um, we cannot do this sometimes and not others. I can't on some days believe my words and other days speak flippantly, even lie or be uh, um, uh, sarcastic or say things that I just, I just know in my heart are not true. If we do that sometimes, other times our faith will be weak. I, there's some scriptures. Well, the word that came to me as I'm studying is being a faith talker is different than being a blabbermouth. And when that came up, I thought, I'm going to look and see if there's any scriptures that say that. And they did. In different translations, this is Proverbs 2019, uh, the Passion Translation. A blabber mouth will reveal your secrets. So stay away from people who can't keep their mouths shut. Wow. Proverbs 10:19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. So this is part of our life. The restraint. Knowing when to speak, when not to speak. Uh, that same passage, Proverbs 10, 19 through 21 from the Message Bible. The more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. The speech of a good person is worth waiting for. The blabber of the wicked is worthless. The talk of a good person is rich fare for the many. But chatterboxes die of an empty heart. And how that applies to us then is when Jesus was teaching faith, you could see that he was very 
precise and intentional and then described it as this. You, you must believe the words that you say. If you say things you do not believe, when it comes time to use your faith, it won't work for you. God's, the God kind of faith doesn't work that way where it says everything that pops into its head. It sometimes tells a lie. You know, uh, I see this. I've been in ministry for a while. And in, in church life, you even see this. Sometimes people who struggle with overcoming, you know, physical problems or mental problems or financial problems, they're often the same people who don't follow through on their commitments. Meaning they will, they, they, you know, in the church world, churches, are, churches run on people using their own gifts and people following God and serving. And, and, and that's how church ministry works for the most part. All right. And uh, you see that people will sign up or commit to something and then not follow through or not show up. All right. And that's a real problem for anyone who wants to live by faith. You really just can't do that. Okay. You can't say, I'll be there. And then, well, I didn't feel like it or I got busy. Why can't you do that? Not only is it, you know, rude to other people who are relying on you, but it totally demolishes your ability to win the faith fight. Because you know the words that you speak, sometimes you mean them. And sometimes you don't. What if half of our words are idle and then the other half are supposed to be potent? If half of them don't really carry any, carry any weight, the other half are also going to be weak. So you're in the, in the ring. Right. Intentional speaking says, again, think of it like a like a fighter. Think of it like a, a boxer. How I many know they're not trying to use their knockout punch on every swing? You, you see boxers. I see them on TV and stuff. They're jabbing. They're doing setups. They're doing all their things. And then when the right opportunity is there, they're swinging hard. Right. And if they land that hard one <laughs> lights out. Right. In our world of faith, in our faith fight, we're choosing our words very, you know, preciously because we're setting things up. So when we, when we say, no one eat fruit from you here ever, ever again, mountain, get into the sea. Or practical for our life, Jesus spoke to Peter's, Peter's mother-in-law's uh, uh, fever. And it just says he rebuked the fever and left her. Because Jesus' words were very intentional. And he knew, I'm speaking to this fever, this fever is going to hear me and leave. See, if I have a problem, whether it's physical or wherever, wherever it is, I don't want to give it a little. I want my words to be, now I don't want to hit hard, I'll break this thing. <laughs> but that's what I feel like doing in illustration wise. I want my faith words to be, bam! And it knocks things out. Hallelujah. So choose your words wisely. Do you believe what you just said? Do you believe if you've been if you've been unfaithful in that area in the past, you know, you can move on from there. Commit to the Lord from this day forward. I'm going to guard my words. I'm going to choose what I say so that you have faith in your words. If you're a part-time liar, 
That, that means you're going to question the things that come, that come out of your mouth even when, even when you're speaking God's words. You're not sure if you believe them. If someone says, I don't know about this. I mean, does it really matter what we, we say? Doesn't that ultimately just matter what God says? If God said it, I, then that's all that matters. That's not what he said, though. God didn't say whatever I say matters and whatever you say doesn't matter. God said whatever you say matters. If, if, if the father said, I've sent my son, Jesus, he died for your sins on the cross. His blood was shed. He was raised from the dead. Your sins have been paid for. He is Lord of all. And we say, huh, nah, or I don't accept that. I don't believe that, or I'm not going to say that. What happens to the person? Are they saved or lost? Even if the Lord said, said that, if he says, no, you're, you're forgiven in Christ. And we say, I'm not. We get what we say. We don't get what God says. It is not his desire that anyone would perish. But that all would come to him. All would see the truth. All would come to repentance. Everyone would come to him. And he's not getting what he wants. Why? Because people are getting what they say, not what he says. And that's not only true for salvation. It's true about fig trees. It's true about whatever comes into the arena of our fight. God gives us a word, but that word has got to get in our mouths for this to come to pass. Come on. Praise God. Yeah, amen. amen. You know, I was going to read another passage. I'll just, I'll just give you the short end of it. Uh, Jesus taught about not, about not swearing, about, not, about, about oaths and those things. And in Matthew 5, 37, he said, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. If you say yes, what should, they, what should that mean? Yes. yes. If you say no, what should that mean? No. You shouldn't have to add anything to it. Like, I'm going to do this for you. Really, I am. Now your yes just became evil. I'm not going to do that. No, really, I'm not. I promise. You just sucked the life out of your No. I mean, no, if you have to add anything to your word, your word is no good. He's saying your word should stand, should stand alone. It should be sufficient all by itself. If you give a word, period, it's done over your, everything you have backs it up. It's like the psalmist said, said uh, spoke of the one who swears to their own hurt and does not change. It means if I give you my word, even if I find out, ah, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. That's going to cost me time, money, energy, whatever. Well, doesn't matter. I said it, so I'm doing it. Even if it hurts me, I'm doing it because my word is out there. All right. And when it comes to a yes or no, the yes, period. Do you promise? Are you kidding? If, if I gave my word to someone and they asked me if I promise, that would be an insult. That's a total insult to me. It's like, what? You're saying my word is not sufficient. And I have to add something to it to bolster it up. You're basically calling me a liar. Hallelujah. <laughs> Whenever you're tempted just to, you know, add all these things and, you know, cross your heart and hope to die and stick a needle in your eye and all that stuff. Resist. Say, I'm not going to be that person. I'm just going to commit to the things that I say that they are true. Amen. And if I'm not sure about it, I'm just not going to say it. Right. If I'm not fully behind it, committed to it, I'm not going to 
I'm not even going to let it come out of my mouth. Amen. How does this come into? This is how this is how God is. This is how our Father is. We're to imitate Him. He doesn't speak words that that die. He speaks words, and change happens. And if we will function in the God kind of faith, we will see results like He intended for us to have. And in the arena of the faith fight, you'll have some serious knockout punches. Amen. Amen. This is how. We overcome. Thank you, Lord. Let's pick up there next time. Father, thank you for working in us today, for helping us.